We are back yet again here on the Thick Man Inc. podcast, and this week we've got a lot to talk about, most of which revolve around the playoffs. Playoffs? Yes, playoffs. And the implications the Week 18 games had for that setup. But one thing which is not related to the playoffs is a very questionable move made by our friends down in Miami. After two winning seasons, Brian Flores was let go by the Miami Dolphins administration. And it seems to me there is a bit of a power struggle between the general manager and Mr. Flores, which resulted in, of course, Flores being unemployed at the moment. And I can't quite piece together why Flores lost his power show. It was evident that he was a very good coach from the Belichick tree, had great success, was winning games, won eight of his last nine, could have made this team a playoff team if they had a mediocre offensive line or a functional quarterback, but he was being held back by the moves this run office made. Now, the Dolphins are in freefall. They're in limbo. They have nowhere to go. They are not going to improve next season. They're going to get much worse. They're still stuck with Tua turned the ball over at the moment, unless they trade for Deshaun Watson or Mr. Unlimited himself, I don't think they're going to be able to compete for a winning season, let alone a playoff spot. But what do you make of this move, Tristan? What do you make of this move which befuddled the minds of Dolphins fans and football fans alike? At the end of the day, it really doesn't make any sense that Flores wound up losing the power struggle. I mean, it is almost as dumb as the Giants keeping Joe Judge as their head coach. Oh my god. (laughs) As an owner, what more do you want from a head coach? What more do you want him to do with a limited quarterback and a bad offensive line? It is impressive that the Dolphins finished this season after losing seven games in a row. It speaks to the fact that players trust Brian Flores. They don't give up on him. It's not like watching the Giants kneel it out on 39 playing uninspired high school football. If hey, that quarterback like- sneak was the definition of inspired. That was an amazing play call and truly ingenious. I'm just sad it didn't work. Don't talk about uninspired with that, man. (laughs) If players didn't like Flores or didn't believe in their coaching staff, they would have had a top five pick this year. I think almost everyone can agree on that. It also begs the question, what more can the ownership want from a win standpoint? Brian Flores went 4-2 against the Patriots and was 24-5 as a head coach, above 500 the last two seasons. The decade prior to Flores' tenure with the Dolphins, the Dolphins were 83-93 and and were 5-15 against the Patriots. Flores had the team headed in the right direction. This also brings me to the second part of the discussion, the fact that Stephen Ross, the owner, chose GM Chris Greer over Flores. Chris Greer absolutely absolutely blew the first three draft picks they had in 2020. They had three first round draft picks. He's the reason the Dolphins aren't currently Super Bowl contenders. Brian Flores did as good as he possibly could with the roster he was provided from the GM. Imagine if the Dolphins would have drafted Justin Fields, who Flores reportedly wanted in 2020. He saw what Herbert had to offer, and he was forced to use Tua, turn the ball over. He was forced to use Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, let's he was be forced- fair. Everyone was saying pick two with the fifth over raw pick it's not like the GM went out there and made some unorthodox move like drafting Daniel Jones at six Tua was the pick well he did what was safe for public perception and if your head coach wanted a specific quarterback and that quarterback got drafted right after the quarterback you selected was it's clear that there must have been other teams that valued Justin Herbert just as high as the Dolphins GM obviously valued Tua so I don't see how the GM won this power struggle and you can make the argument that all the draft picks they made this year, which have turned out to be good, Javon Holland, 
Jalen Phillips. You can argue that those two draft picks were probably heavily influenced by Flores considering he controls the defensive side of the ball. Waddle, waddle, waddle. <laughs> well, and then maybe that's Chris Greer. So I feel bad for Dolphins fans. The Dolphins fans deserve better than this. They don't deserve to have to suffer whichever head coach comes next and the overwhelming mediocrity that is coming their way. The Dolphins fans deserve nothing. They will get nothing and I will not feel sorry for them. Any team which can roll out there with a color scheme as atrocious as Miami deserves nothing but 0-17 and 17 seasons for the foreseeable future, which is what they will be getting now that Brian Flores is gone. Not only did they nuke their coaching staff, they just nuked their locker room. They have to either completely retool that team or accept the fact they're going to win three or less games next season. Because I guarantee you, the players are not happy with this pick. The Dolphins have completely abandoned the players, which is not something you want to do in the NFL when everybody is a millionaire. Another way people can think about this is, Isaiah, I know me and you have been a part of a very bad high school football team. There's a lot of people out there who've been a part of really bad high school, middle school, maybe even college football teams. Yeah, I was a part of a very bad college football team too, but... I can't speak to your situation, but I know in our situation, when the team is really bad like it was, the, the coach loses a good portion of the locker room, especially if he has an unlikable or cold personality. And I think a lot of people have also experienced that on lower levels of football. So I think that it also speaks to how much Brian Flores had the Dolphins locker room that he was able to recover a winning season after losing seven in a row. I don't understand how he does that. And probably also that everyone else got COVID or injured around that time and their schedule got a lot worse, but hey. It's, it's still incredible it's seven in a row and then when what was it eight in a row? Eight out of nine. Lost to the uh, Titans last week. Or two weeks ago. Last week, two weeks ago. They won on Sunday. They lost a Sunday before that. Anyway, we're getting a bit bogged down in this topic. So we think the Dolphins are stooges. Their GM, mega stooge. Their fans, minor stooges. Their owner, stooge supreme. But on to a fan base, which Tristan and I have enjoyed poking A despicable at. fan base. A despicable fan base who lives rent-free in my co-host head. Pittsburgh Steelers have defied the odds and become a playoff team. Yes, playoffs. They snuck in with a victory over the depleted Ravens thanks to the strength of their defense and a little bit of luck from our friends in Jacksonville. We'll talk about our friends in Jacksonville later, but this is quite the retirement tour for Mr. Roethlisberger. Going out with a win at home, a win on the road to confirm a playoff spot, and now he is off to face the best NFLS offer in the Kansas City Chiefs. And you know, I believe in miracles. I believe in magic. And for all the despicable actions our fellow uh, large man Ben Roethlisberger has conducted in his life, he has played some very meaningful football in the city of Pittsburgh, and the football gods will smile warmly upon this man. I would not be overly shocked if the Pittsburgh Steelers went on a long playoff run off the strength of their defense alone. It's reminiscent of a way to Peyton Manning's last year with the Denver Broncos, where he was completely dysfunctional, but they had Von Miller and therefore won the Super Bowl. Now, Ben certainly isn't as dysfunctional as Peyton was his final year, but he's not anything close to the legend he used to be. But this defense is pretty dang good. They've got the best defensive player in football not named Aaron Donald at the moment, rushing off the edge and humiliating offensive tackles week in and week out. And if we learned anything from the Super Bowl, the Chiefs are vulnerable at the offensive line position. They can retool as much as they want. That position is still not at the top level of the NFL. And I think TJ Watt and the Steelers front seven can absolutely take advantage of that. Do I think they'll beat the Chiefs? In all honesty, no. 
know, but I think it's going to be a very competitive game for the first two or three quarters at least. Truly some quality football, a little bit of magic there to end Big Ben's career. I do not like the Steelers mainly because of the fan base and TJ Watt fanboys. It was just flat out sickening for me that they squeezed into the playoffs. And I believe that my analysis of the Steelers roster prior to the season was correct. As Isaiah just alluded to, there's a lot of pieces of it that were never really any good. There was one thing I was dead wrong about. It is that Mike Tomlin is an unreal coach and I undervalued his ability to get the most out of his players. If it wasn't for Mike Tomlin and the Steelers had someone like Joe Judge, I'm going to keep referencing the Giants because it is painful. The Steelers... If the Steelers had a bottom five The Steelers would have the fourth overall pick. Their roster isn't there. Tomlin's ability to keep the Steelers competitive week in and week out with a tough schedule when people and other teams keep doubting them is extremely impressive. And sorry to bring up the Dolphins back up because we spent like eight minutes on them, but this is also why the Dolphins should have placed more value on Flores' ability to keep the roster together despite disappointments they should look to the Steelers and see how valuable it is to have someone now Flores only did it two seasons only had an above 500 record two seasons what he was doing is somewhat comparable to what Tomlin has done for so many years and when it comes to the actual game between the Steelers and the Ravens I am not shocked the Steelers beat the Ravens I did not watch the game in its entirety I did watch overtime and I do not need to list the Ravens injuries again but that the Ravens are just so cooked at this point and the fact that the Steelers needed overtime to beat them speaks to how badly they're going to get beaten by the Chiefs. They're going to get obliterated by the Chiefs. And, you know, to the betters out there, maybe you want to bend against the Chiefs because when I say something, the opposite tends to happen. And let me speak to the Ravens fans also very briefly. To any Ravens fans that are upset by the loss, they're upset by the missed opportunity to be in the playoffs, Lamar Jackson probably coming back. Don't dwell on this game. The Ravens had their opportunities to solidify their spot in the playoffs and failed two-point conversions. Next year, the Ravens will be back in the AFC North. They'll have their players healthy. Lamar will be back. The Steelers, I think, are going to go through a mini rebuild. I'm not going to doubt them again from a record standpoint. They're probably still going to win six, seven games, maybe get to eight wins again with whatever QB they go after. So when it comes to this game in general, Steelers fans, don't dwell on it. You had your chances to make the playoffs. You blew the Ravens blew them. I said, hopefully I said Ravens. I meant to say Ravens. And the Steelers, uh, you know, you're going to get blown out. Well, we know Ben knows a lot about blowing stuff out. But I don't know if I uh, necessarily agree with the comment about the roster not being built well. Obviously, the defense don't need to dwell on that. But they've got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Ray Ray McLeod, for God's sake. They've got Najee Harris. Their offensive line is bad at run blocking, but middle of the pack in terms of pass blocking. So I feel like if they can get a decent quarterback, whether that be through the draft or through free agency, and Pittsburgh is a fairly desirable landing spot, big market, decent amount of talent around you, they could probably win as many, if not more, games next season. I would not exactly count on them winning eight. Like you said, Tomlin, very good coach, and if he won eight, technically he would have a uh, losing record. As we know, Mike Tomlin will never have a losing record as an NFL head coach. It's just something which won't happen. But the Steelers, like it or don't, are a playoff team. And Tristan, he really does not like the fact the Steelers made to the playoffs. He is not a a fan of the 17 playoffs. And frankly, I don't understand the people complaining about the expanded playoffs. There are a lot of reasons why an additional playoff game is great for the NFL. The biggest being the Nickelodeon Slime Bowl. Never have I been more entertained and informed while watching a bad football game. I would watch a middle school flag football game if it was broadcast by Nickelodeon. They absolutely nailed the special effects and commentary. Young Sheldon delivered insightful information about penalties and frankly, a lot of you TikTok commentators, you need to watch some Young Sheldon footage because 
he knows what he's talking about, unlike you. And of course, how could you forget Mitch Trubisky winning his first ever MVP award as a parting gift from the Bears. Truly a classic moment in NFL and social media history. I love that game. And it's going to be an even better game now that the 49ers and Cowboys are squaring off two real teams on the Nickelodeon network for football. That is amazing. On top of that, this is not the only reason why the 17 playoffs is great. You look at last year, the Bills and the Colts squared off. Very good playoff game. Bills were the two seed, Colts seven seed. Colts took it deep in the fourth. Bills have gone to the AFC Championship game. You can get good competitive football in these games. And lastly, it is more football for free. Players are getting paid and us viewers get to sit on our couch and be fat for all the more. So I love the idea of the expanded playoffs. I've elaborated on why I don't like the 17 playoffs. I mean, you take a look at the you take a look at the seven seeds this year. It's the Steelers and the Eagles. The Eagles have an absolutely pathetic resume of wins. The best win being the Saints. And that was when the Saints had Trevor Simeon. And the Saints are, I think, four and six with not Jameis Winston as their quarterback this season. So the Saints aren't a good football team. None of the Eagles wins are good. And you take a look at the Steelers and they have a better resume than the Eagles, but they've gone to overtime three times. They tied a winless Lions team. I know that Mason Rudolph was starting, but that is still bad. In general, it's been a very uninspiring offense, a very uninspiring season. So when you see who the seven seeds are, I don't think there's a need to have them in the playoffs. Just to wrap things up rapidly, there were some other games played which were very impactful. First off, the Chargers-Raiders game. The Chargers absolute stooges for calling that timeout. They should be embarrassed, ashamed, and humiliated by the actions of their head coach. It cost them a trip to the playoffs and gave the Pittsburgh Steelers a playoff berth. Thank you, Chargers coaches, for giving me yet another reason to humiliate and laugh at Tristan publicly. Next, we've got the Jaguars beating the dog shit out of the Indianapolis Colts. A humiliating game, mostly for the Colts offensive line, but really for Carson Wentz as well. What was it, a four QBR he put up? He should be embarrassed. Colts eliminated from the playoffs. Team which was on fire two weeks ago. Now, see ya. They lost two must-win games. That's just bound to happen. They basically played in the playoffs twice. The final two weeks of the regular season, lost both times. Can't do much of that. You gotta win those games. Colts didn't win those games. Now they've gotta ask themselves, we wanna retool our system entirely, or are we gonna ride it out again with Carson wins not wins wins well, those are the two games that sent the Steelers to the playoffs. And I think anyone who watched the Raiders-Chargers game, they they can deduce that the Raiders deserve to beat the Chargers. They played better than the Chargers the entire game. Yes, there was the weird pass interference calls, but we don't we don't even need to dwell on that. And they, they're just flat out better. The Chargers defense is just so bad. The run defense, more specifically, is embarrassingly bad. I can't imagine the Chargers defense having to play someone like the Titans in the playoffs that have a... Well, they very- want to play the Colts in the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> that, have, <laughs> that have a very good run game and with that being said Herbert is also an absolute freak and it is incredible how much he raises his level of play when the pressure in the moment increases he converted what seemed like 20 fourth downs he reached another level every single time the Chargers had another fourth down and when it comes to the whole tie situation I am incredibly disappointed in the Chargers and Raiders they could have improved the society we live in tenfold by tying the game. They could have mutually agreed at the beginning of the game to kneel the game out from the very first snap. They know there are zero fans that exist in the entire world that want to see the Steelers succeed besides the Steelers fan base. Yet they both tried to win the game the entire game. Truly 
despicable actions from both teams and the Chargers should be just as heavily scrutinized for the outcome because they tried to win they should have both just been trying to tie the entire game now we all have to suffer the insufferable Steelers fans and have to suffer through watching the Steelers now uh, let me give my final thoughts on the Colts and Jaguars the before Colts- we do that you are seething and coping as the TikTok comments say you are seething and you are coping but continue. The Colts and Jaguars game. Isaiah Reddy made a TikTok about this. I agree with many of his sentiments. The Colts offensive line was pathetic. But at the end of the day, Carson Wentz makes so many questionable decisions. He had a bad interception during that game. He had a couple throws where maybe his mechanics were off. He rushed the throw. He overthrew some passes. And the entire season, Carson Wentz did not elevate the Colts receivers around him. He did not elevate Michael. I think Michael Pittman is extremely talented. And I don't think he helped Michael. Michael Pittman reached the next level. It was Jonathan Taylor who continuously elevated the Colts offense. So if the Colts want to get better, Wentz needs to take that step. I think they're going to be have to stick with him next year just based on his contract. And I think there's not it doesn't get much better in free agency or through the draft, especially with a rookie quarterback in year one next year. I don't know, man. They've got the sure thing success that is Spencer Rattler coming up in the draft. He is the next great quarterback, or so I was told prior to the start of the season. Oh, <laughs> The Spencer Rattler downfall is uh, quite hilarious. Is quite the thing to bother from. Number one overall pick. We are haters. We laugh at people's downfall. To hitting the transfer portal. Speaking of downfalls, then there's the Urban Meyerless, or maybe it's Rises, the Urban Meyerless Jaguars. Uh, if you're a fan, you have to be happy with Trevor Lawrence's final performance of the season, and you just have to cross your fingers that that becomes the norm heading forward and that they get a better head coaching situation. The touchdown, more specifically, when Trevor Lawrence it was evaded pressure, rolled out to the right, throws an absolute laser, just shows how talented he, he is and how good he can be. If there's an offensive system built around him that is actually competent and isn't completely befuddling to watch like it was when we had to watch the Urban Meyer-led Jaguars. So I think it showed that Trevor Lawrence is still very talented and the Jaguars have a bright future if Shad Khan and management at the Jaguars can figure things out. Well, Trevor Lawrence will undoubtedly be the best quarterback taken this class. I don't care what type of accolades Mac wins. He's in a better system. Once Trevor Lawrence gets a functional offensive line for him, I think he's got the weapons to be very successful in the NFL between his thousand yard rusher, his first round pedigree running back who isn't a thousand yard rusher, and of course the uh, infamous man who told Urban Meyer he was a piece of shit to his face. Truly a respectable move by Mr. Jones. Future is bright in Duval. It was a great day to be a clown in Jacksonville. Anyway, that has been the podcast. If you like the video, if you're watching on YouTube, give it a like, subscribe. Maybe we're getting close to 150. I'm not, you know, it's getting so high that I'm losing track of the subscriber count at this point. If you're listening on Spotify, count past 20. Follow us on Spotify. If this podcast seemed all over the place, sorry, we had a couple technical difficulties that caused us to stop and start. And we will see you in the next one. Comment what you thought. Uh, I don't even know anymore. My thoughts are over the place. See you next time. See then cope. See then cope.